welcome to the official OCPAJ podcast journey series where we interview our pharmacy professionals about their journey into their specialized fields. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Mikao Mingura, on her journey into her current field. Thank you again for being on the show, Mikao. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Tony? I'm doing okay, too. I know you're really busy and you've been like running around a lot, but uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you currently do and um, I guess just a little bit more about yourself in general? Sure. So currently, I'm faculty at Marshall B. Ketchum College of Pharmacy in Fullerton. I'm an assistant professor of pharmacy practice, and I teach patient assessment, medical Spanish, medication therapy management, and I do some additional lectures. I teach three hours of veterinary pharmacy. I give a lecture on transgender health, which I'm actually also giving to students at USC in a couple weeks. And I have a practice site, which is in a kind of interesting primary care physician-owned clinic. We have primary care specialty urgent care, and I do anticoagulation services and medication consults and a little bit of drug insulin, a little bit of everything since I'm the only pharmacist at the clinic. So I came to pharmacy kind of via a very non-traditional route. I originally graduated from UC Berkeley as a theater major, and I actually was a production manager and stage manager for about seven or eight years, and that was my first career. I then was looking for something a little bit more regular And so I ended up working for an auction house in Missouri for a year. Didn't like that, came back to California, and strangely enough, was working on a ranch at the time, uh, leading trail rides for tourists, and decided to become a veterinarian because I wanted to go back to school. I was kind of unfulfilled and unstimulated with what I was doing. So I went back to school, taking all my science courses in preparation to become a veterinarian. And during that time, I switched over to working for a 24-hour emergency and specialty veterinary hospital at Thousand Oaks, and I did that, and I actually got so far as to apply to veterinary school, and then my allergies got the best of me. I decided that probably wasn't the best career choice, and I switched track over to pharmacy. And so then I applied to USC. Fortunately, I got in and I did my pharmacy schooling there and did a residency at Oregon State, which was a really fun kind of academic teaching institution. I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot of ambulatory care, did a lot of direct patient care services. And during my residency, as my residency director kind of told me, you need to stop teaching. You need to do other things. You're doing too much teaching. I realized, huh, maybe maybe that's where I belong. And I had always intended to teach eventually, but based on my experiences in pharmacy school, my previous management experience and kind of what I was enjoying, I thought, well, let's see if we can get into teaching now. Why save it for later when I, I know this is the thing I enjoy the most? So that is that is how I ended up here. That sounds awesome. So, uh, so, so you say that you're doing a lot of teaching right now, and I guess for for you, what what's your day to day like? It depends on the day of the week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm usually on campus. I have an interesting teaching schedule. It's different than most of my colleagues because I teach a lot of small courses throughout the year. So I coordinate. We're on a quarter system. I coordinate two courses each quarter. So this quarter. Monday and Wednesdays, I teach. Uh, Monday, I teach medical Spanish and patient assessment. Wednesdays, I teach just medical Spanish. We we teach that course to all of our pharmacy students. Actually, our P1 students all take medical Spanish as part of the 
core curriculum. So we meet two times a week to try and get them as much exposure to the language as they can. And then on Fridays are usually full of meetings and exams and etc. So when I'm not teaching, I'm grading or prepping my courses or writing my lectures or trying to work on my research. And that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm in clinic, and that's a full day in clinic. So it's, you know, eight to five, and I have a patient panel that I manage. I go in in the morning, I check and see who's on my schedule, and I basically just see my patients all day. Starting in the fall, I'll be taking on Appy students. So I'll have students working with me in the clinic, which should be really exciting. And I'm probably going to expand my clinic days to another half a day to kind of give them a little bit more patient care experience. And then weekends are usually, I feel like I've been traveling a lot. I was just at the CSHP West Coast Preceptor Conference last weekend, which was really exciting. I learned a lot. And so if I'm not traveling for a conference, sometimes we have health fairs that the students do or visiting family, trying to, you know, take care of the rest of my life because I've always got a lot going on. Wow. So, yeah, you you do sound like you have a lot going on. And I guess one of my uh, curiosities is what are you doing to like help with the time management of all these different things? If you have some ideas, I'd be happy to know. Um, It it is a, a lot to manage and it's getting better now. I think part of the reason that I have this particular schedule is because of my clinic. Uh, a lot of my colleagues who are in hospital or something, they can, they want to be in hospital a lot and they're working up their patients and taking care of their floors kind of full time until they go into their therapeutics teaching block and then they, they teach for a month or so. Whereas I'm always in clinic. If I don't show up, nobody sees my patients. The only option is to send them back to their primary care providers, which isn't really ideal. So I kind of enjoy this. I like that it's it's kind of constant throughout the year and spread out. So things that I have that, that help me with the time management and managing all these varied duties would be my mentors. So I have a, a faculty member that I was that I met through AACP, American Academy of Colleges of Pharmacy. So I met this mentor through the organization that is kind of where all the faculty are. And she's been teaching a lot of the same topics as me for many years. And she has really good advice on how to do things and how to manage things. And then I have I have different people I can go to for different aspects of, of my work. So I have certain people I go to when I have clinical questions or clinical challenges. I have certain people I go to when I have, you know, challenges with, with students or with patients and then with just kind of how to design a course and create new material. I have, I have another person I can go to. So it really helps to have this, this big network of pharmacists and, other faculty members that I can go to when I need advice and help. And that has been really, I think, the the thing that's helped me manage the workload the most is being able to go to different people for advice. That's a really good point, because I think uh, one of the things that I kind of learned after being in pharmacy school is that networks are very important. You kind of get that intro in school, but you don't really, I think you don't really experience it until you're actually out practicing, right? Yeah, for sure. When when I was in school, I had I had you know my my texting group of of three friends who we would always you know be back and forth between the four of us about tests and exams and when's this due and oh my gosh I'm dying with work and school and and help me out and and that was really great. But as you move on, that that expands and now it's you know faculty teachers I had when I was in school or a pharmacist I work with. 
and you know in the clinic a couple years ago and and it just that group of people you can call on just gets bigger the longer you've been in practice which is really nice yeah that that's really nice and also uh I, I know that you said you, there are some topics sometimes you teach that you'll need some advice from, you know, the other professors or mentors out there. And I did notice one thing about your teaching is that you kind of specialize in veterinary pharmacy. And can you kind of expand a little bit more about that part of it? Yeah. So, again, in my previous life, I was intending to be a veterinarian. So, I spent, I took probably a couple years worth of coursework that was very geared towards veterinary you know, animal physiology and, you know, food animal, animal nutrition, all those, all those courses, you know, that I was taking. So that's the background I came with. And then I was working in a veterinary hospital as a technician for four years. So doing all the hands-on and as, as a tech, you kind of end up doing a lot of a lot of the stuff that nurses or pharmacists do for human medicine, you're pulling up drugs, you're calculating doses and drip rates, and you're counseling, you know, patients on or the clients on, you know, medicine. So that was all things that I was kind of doing under the veterinarian supervision. And then when I decided to switch over to pharmacy, I kind of wanted to keep a hand in. So I I worked for a year at a at a compounding pharmacy when I was school in school that did mostly veterinary compounding. So that was a really great experience. I did a couple oh, even before I went to pharmacy school, I did some rotations up at UC Davis following some of their field services and working with their veterinarians. I shadowed veterinarians down here in Southern California. I did an appy rotation up at UC Davis where I worked with their pharmacist for six weeks. And then during my residency, I Oregon State has a pharmacy school and a veterinary school as well. So they have a veterinary pharmacy that's staffed by pharmacists, obviously, and run by pharmacists. And so I did a rotation with them. While I was there, my research was on veterinary pharmacy. So throughout that whole process in Oregon, I got connected with a Another pharmacy organization, the Society of Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists, SVHP. And when I presented my research, my residency research with them, I became a fellow with their organization. So I'm still involved with them. I like to go to their conferences every year and kind of keep a hand in as to what's going on in veterinary pharmacy and how that world is working. So that's kind of how I stick with it. And then this year, I submitted a proposal to Western Exchange to present on veterinary pharmacy because I feel really strongly that most pharmacists, especially those that work in the community, I mean, they, that you see a veterinary prescription on a pretty regular basis, but unfortunately, we didn't really learn how to manage those, how to verify them, how to counsel on them, what the red flags are that you need to watch out for. So I thought, well, let's do a CE at Western Exchange. And it turns out that a colleague of mine, Dr. Forsyth, who works at Davis, also made the same proposal. So we ended up joining our proposals together and we'll be presenting on veterinary pharmacy on Saturday at Western Exchange. So the name of our topic is When Your Patient Has Fur, a Pharmacist Primer on Veterinary Patients. And it is on Saturday from 1045 to noon. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll be putting a little bit more info about that session in the show notes too, so people can uh, take a look at it if they are interested. I also wanted to see if you could, you have any advice to offer to maybe students who are looking into getting into either academia or even just veterinary uh, pharmacy, or if you have any advice for pharmacists who are currently practicing that want to navigate towards those routes. 
Okay, well, I'm going to start with the pharmacist because I think this one's really easy. It, there's so many places where you can get CE and continuing education on veterinary pharmacy. And just educating yourself, knowing what the resources are, knowing what to watch out for, knowing what the laws are is, is super important. And then this applies to both students and pharmacists. Get involved. Join one of the organizations. There are two main veterinary pharmacy organizations. One is the Society of Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists. It's actually, maybe they used to be called the International College of Veterinary Pharmacists. Anyway, their website is SVHP, Society Veterinary Hospital Pharmacists.org. And they also, they offer all sorts of neat things like a board certification and lots of really good resources, especially if you're more into the hospital end of things or the education end of things. There's another organization, which is the American College of Veterinary Pharmacists, and their website is www.vetmeds.org, V-E-T-M-E-D-S.org. And they're a lot more helpful, especially if you're in the community side of things and the dispensing side of things. They tend to have a lot more compounding of, say, topical and oral medications. They have a lot of that information. Also, obviously, compounding companies, the two biggest ones being PCCA and Medisca. They both have trainings and CEs that are that are veterinary specific. There's a power pack on veterinary pharmacy that you can take. There's a really long program that's given through University of Florida, I think. So there's lots of ways you can get out there and get educated, which I think is the most important thing. Uh, also for students, just getting Getting the experience, getting some sort of shadowing or rotation work or volunteer or a job where you're doing it is really the best way you're going to meet people and find out whether or not it's something that that's for you or not. And the last and most important thing is I'm totally going to plug Plum's Veterinary Drugs. It's the most important resource you could possibly have for veterinary pharmacy. It's, it's really, it's basically like Lexicomp or Micromedics for veterinary medicine. And they, they used to have a free student membership. Now I think it's only $5 a year for students. So it's very cheap and it is super easy. They have, it's online, it's got an app and you can look up the medication and then it will tell you the dose for the species you're looking at because veterinary medicine is species specific. So the dose for a dog is not the same dose for a cat, is not the same dose for a guinea pig, and is definitely not the same dose for a human. So being able to look up those doses, that's how you verify your prescriptions. That's how you guarantee that you're not going to let a prescription go out there that's going to harm an animal and you know, we don't want, nobody wants that. So having the resource, you know, we're pharmacists, we don't know everything, but we do know how to look things up. And that's that's how you look up veterinary prescriptions is in Plum's Veterinary Drugs. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that advice and all the information about the resources. So I try to put those in the show notes as well. And um, if anyone had any more questions to ask you, is there a way to reach you? Yeah, they can email me mmingura, M-M-I-N-G-U-R-A at ketchum.edu. Happy to happy to chat with anybody who has any questions. I'm super excited about veterinary pharmacy, and I really enjoy teaching. So I'm happy to answer people's questions. Awesome, thank you. And to be uh, respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about your journey. Oh, you're very welcome, Tony. I enjoyed it.
Awesome. All right. So if you guys like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also find out more about our organization by visiting ocpha.org, or you can follow us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, or uh, Instagram, and YouTube. But until next time, OCPHA is signing off, reminding you to get determined, get inspired. Get inspired.